Epilogue When the final reckoning came to be made, Jack did not emerge so badly as he had feared. It turned out that his greatest inspiration had been to conceal the plan of campaign in the pile of despised comics. Indeed, had Mr. Bagthorpe been a less impulsive man, he would have thought before rushing down to the meadow brandishing the incriminating evidence he had found. He had, after all, found it only because he had been steadily wading his way through the back numbers of Jack's comics. Having the entire Bagthorpe household aware of this took the wind, to a very great extent, out of his sails. He was never, indeed, quite allowed to forget it. In unmasking Uncle Parker's and Jack's plot, he had, at the same time, made an eternal rod for his own back. He quietened down a lot. He shouted less. The rest of the Bagthorpes did not fail to notice this softening of his character, and were accordingly grateful to Jack. It had, when all was said and done, been only boyish mischief. This was what Mrs. Bagthorpe said when she had collected the whole story. She even said how imaginative and bold it had all been. She did not say this till several days later, but after that she said it quite a lot, and even told Jack that she was, in a way, proud of him. Grandma, though disappointed at the non-reappearance of Thomas, had by and large enjoyed the whole charade. She said that at her age you didn't get frightened of things any more. You have seen everything, she said, and what had taken place in the meadow had been, so far as she was concerned, simply another warp in the web of life's rich pattern. She stated that she was speaking for Grandpa as well when she said this, and as he himself never alluded to it, perhaps she was. Rosie, in retrospect, became overweeningly proud that her birthday party had been the greatest and best Bagthorpian party of all times, leaving even Grandma's debacle nowhere. She had used the rest of her film taking photographs of the giant bubble and the great brown bears, both with and without their heads. She had also collected a lot, though not all, of the visiting cards they had dropped, which turned out to be pieces of white card with the words, Jack Bagthorpe, Appointed Prophet printed on them. These she had had signed by the two great brown bears, and then pasted into her autograph album. All in all, she had had a very gratifying day as far as keeping records was concerned. Mrs. Fosdyke had at first marched off to write a letter giving in her notice, but when she came out to give it to Mrs. Bagthorpe, she had found the fire put out, and the whole party reassembled round the table, having not yet lit the candles and sung happy birthday to Rosie an obvious piece of unfinished business. The two bears had then paid her such fulsome compliments about her food, and tucked into it with such gratifying enthusiasm, that she stuffed the letter back in her pocket, and decided on this occasion to give the Bagthorpes the credit of some very dubious goings-on. She said later in the fiddler's arms that she thought the two bears had been proper gentlemen, and gave it out that the real culprit was Uncle Parker, who was also, she said, cold-blooded, and with a very queer sense of humor indeed. Nobody, she opined, after goings on like that, and a fire to crown all, would would have else been crawling about like a two year old on his hands and knees, picking up mottoes out of crackers, I ask you. Mottoes out of crackers, she went on to say, were not even funny, whereas Uncle Parker decidedly was, in the head. Uncle Parker himself, of course, was quite able to cope with this kind of adverse opinion, and was on balance highly satisfied with the way the whole thing had passed off. 
He was also able to explain a few otherwise incomprehensible things, like why the men in the balloon had to be disguised as bears. It was, of course, because of that Danish girl. She had been staying with old Brent, and knew that he had a balloon, and he couldn't risk her spilling it out and ruining the whole thing. She did, actually, Jack told him. I remember now, but luckily she did it in Danish. <laughs> Only one cracker motto missing, Uncle Parker told him cheerfully, and given the whole lot of them something to think about. It's all over with the prophet and phenomenon, though, isn't it? said Jack. It is, yes, but there you are, all for the best. You wouldn't have wanted to keep up all that stuff forever, would you? Jack agreed that he would not. I prefer being ordinary, Jack, he said, except that I don't think I'm quite as ordinary as I was before. Do you? Thank you, Uncle Parker. Don't mention it, Uncle Parker replied gracefully. It was a pleasure. Your father, locked away up there all afternoon reading back numbers of comics. It's you, old chap, who have done me a favor. I have a trump card that will never fail. The last word to end all last words. And so gradually life in the Bagthorpe household returned to normal, or as near normal as it was ever likely to be, and Jack and Zero, who could at least now fetch sticks, lived happily for several weeks after. They lived, that is, more happily ever after, because, prophet and phenomenon or not, Jack was not for the time being thought of as ordinary. He was an equal, and that made Zero equal the end. the end. You have been listening to Ordinary Jack Narrated by Helen by Cresswell. Narrated, narrated by Kara Schallenberg. Schallenberg.